Good morning. It's great to be with you guys this morning. Good morning to you guys who are joining us through live stream. Always know that we love you and miss you. No, understand many of you cannot yet return to be with us, but we look forward to the day that you can and you will. Uh, remember when your Bible used to flop open to 1 Corinthians? Remember when you know, we were in 1 Corinthians and some of you were in like elementary school? Uh, we're back in 1 Corinthians this morning, and you didn't think we'd go through 15 chapters and blow off the last chapter now, did you? So we're going we're gonna to finish. We're not going to finish the letter today, but we're going to pick up a thought that was particularly timely from our study. We typically tend to study through books of the Bible uh, on Sunday mornings. We've taken a break from that for a few months and been in some other places with the Lord. The title of the message this morning is The Perhaps of Man. And the certainty of God. Let's read together in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, beginning in verse 5. Paul says, I will visit you after passing through Macedonia. For I intend to pass through Macedonia and perhaps I'll stay with you or even spend the winter. So that you may help me on my journey wherever I go. For I do not want to see you now just in passing. I hope to spend some time with you, if the Lord permits. But I will stay in Ephesus until Pentecost, for a wide door for effective work has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. Let's just pray this for a moment. Father, thank you for all of your word that... It comes to us, Lord, inspired by your spirit, written into settings and with a voice through human people that we just can relate sometimes to where their lives are because ours are in similar places. And so, Lord, where we are in a place that needs some guidance, we need some awareness this morning in our lives as to what's the next step for us, Lord, and how do we find our way and And maybe we feel like we're off course and some things are changing around us. And Lord, we just need some help from you. Would you let these inspired words find their way into our soul? In Jesus' name, amen. I I really am tempted to hang out in verse 9 there. Can I just make a quick comment about it? Because that's not where we're going to spend our time this morning. But, you know, this morning I do want to interact with the reality that all of us find ourselves in places where we're trying to figure out what is God doing? What's going on in my life? What's the next step? How do we, how do we understand the will of God? Right? And that's very much what we're going to interact with Paul about this morning. And then he says this one line, which for me is so loaded with confusing elements, that last passage there. A wide door for effective work has opened to me. All of us love to pray about God, open doors, right? Would you open doors for us? A wide door of effective work has opened and there are many adversaries. Is that how you would interpret a wide door, right? If you stared through a door and you looked in there and you thought, good night, look at the problems, That's going to be hard. That's not going to work. That's against this. That's going to delay that. That'll make, I don't even know if I can do that. That can't be overcome. This must be God, right? But that's kind of an interesting thing for Paul because I very much believe we've just kind of been conditioned. I think part of this is growing up in, in America where really so much of life is easy and convenient. I mean, it just is. I mean, just read things from around the world. They don't live life like we do. And we tend to look at things that are hard, that are full of delay, that are going to sidetrack us, require something of us beyond what we think we can do. And, we, and we, we automatically almost read that, that can't be God. As though God would want it to feel easier, right? But apparently not. Paul could see that God is in this, even though there's challenges and there's adversaries. And this is not going to be an easy path for him to walk out. But you know what caught my attention months ago? Coming to these verses, again, we haven't been in Corinthians since the fall, I think. Uh, not, the, not like the original fall, the fall last year. Um, although it may feel like that long to some of us. Uh, when I first was just meditating on this chapter and looking at Paul interact with his moments, 
it was, it was like, okay, Paul, you're not, you're not unpacking some really serious, deep doctrine here. This is not one of those moments where he's revealing the things, the mysteries hidden for ages now being revealed. It's like he's thumbing through his planner, right? He just busts out his calendar and he's kind of like, oh, let's see what I got coming up here. And, and it was his, the tentativeness with which he stared into the future of his life. This is a man who has turned the world upside down. This is a man who has said specific things and had powerful impacts all over the place. And he's thumbing through his planner and everything sounds like, well, maybe, perhaps, possibly, right? I mean, you see the vocabulary list there. I intend, perhaps, I hope, spend some time with you wherever I go. If the Lord permits, if, right? And so there is this sense that the, I think most of us would say the most godly man we could have hung out with in the New Testament stares at life sometimes, and those are the words that he inserts. Sometimes that's what life looks and feels like. A lot of perhaps, I'm, I'm intending, I hope, but there's not a certainty from the human side. There is a certainty, however, from the God side. Right. We'll get to that, but, but I just want to put us in touch with how, how do you think about the will of God in your life? How do you make plans in your life? How do you chart a course into the future? How do we hold those plans in our hearts? You know, in different seasons of your life, you're, you're kind of holding different stuff in those places. Right? We've, we've had a, our tribe, we've had so many pass through the college years in the last few years. And, and that's a big moment, right? You're trying to figure out what I'm going to do with the rest of my life. What's the next step going to be like? How do I chart that? How do I interpret what God has for me? You know, other careers and, and marriage and maybe children is a category for some of us. We're trying to figure out what's the next step in God. Well, I want to make sure we, we are able to hear this in some ways today because the, the, the informing from our culture around us is a little different today than maybe some of us grew up with. I remember when I was younger in the Lord, uh, there were a lot of messages, at least it felt like a lot of messages about the will of God and finding the will of God. It felt like this mysterious thing that was out there somewhere. It sounded like a treasure map. If you could just wait on God a certain way, encounter God in a certain way, read the Bible a certain way, you're going to find this map. It's going to tell you exactly what to do with your life. And that was treated like... Whatever you do, just kind of wait for that. Figure that thing out. And, and today, the world doesn't feel that way. Even in the church, it doesn't feel that way. Right? It feels like this, you figure something out, and then you just do it, man. You plan for it. You make it happen. You're a mover and a shaker. You take charge of, of things. And so in, in some way, it feels like God's will has kind of been pushed to the side a little bit in, in the name of self-will, maybe. This, this undetermined openness with which we were kind of taught years ago to, to hold our lives is, is given way to self-determination and make it happen. Um, we've been reading through a book with the, the Pivot Ministry guys called Rethink Yourself by a fellow named Trevin Wax. And, and he kind of jumps into this setting of trying to figure out how do you figure out the pathway of your life, your identity. How do, you, how do you even approach that subject? And he has a really interesting thought here as he talks about sometimes we're tempted to do what the world does, to look in us, then to look around in life, and then, and then finally to kind of look up, right? Finally to get God involved in this at some level. But here's some, what he says in the book. He says, there's something exhilarating about being told you can be whatever you want to be. With enough hard work and determination, you can achieve anything, you are free to discover your identity and purpose and then display yourself for the world to see. It's no wonder that self-help books, feel-good movies, and some of the biggest pop songs rely on this message of inspiration. We love stories of people who overcome the odds, who remain true to themselves no matter the obstacles, and who succeed in life at being whatever they set out to be. You can do whatever you want. There's something exhilarating in that message of freedom. Why does everyone just nod along to the idea that the purpose of life is to be true to yourself, chase your dreams, follow your heart, as if the message is so obviously true that it would be silly to question it? Well, because most people in our society view themselves and the world like this. You look in, then around, and then up. 
The look-in approach to life means that your purpose is to look inside yourself in order to discover who you truly are. To find what makes you unique. And then to take hold of your authentic self and emerge with it intact and uncompromised. Who are you? Only you can figure out the answer. And the way you find out is by looking deep into your heart to discover your uniqueness. To come to terms with what you want most from life. And I'm not sure when anybody discovers what they want most from life. It's a lot going on in your younger years and, and you made some decisions and you thought, I really want this. Right? But if I were to ask, you know, I want to ask you for a show of hands here this morning, but how many would say that your life turned out exactly how you planned it? Anybody above the age of six, maybe you want to take a shot at that. Uh, the reality is you, you've made a lot of adjustments along the way, haven't you? In some ways, your life has exceeded your expectations. And in some ways, it fell short. And perhaps in some moments, you felt yourself rerouting in a massive way because you had thought one thing earlier on in life. And then later on, some other things began to take shape. And, and that's hard to interpret. You, and you could almost feel like, you know, at some point, do I want to ask God for a refund? Because, you know, when I was 15 or when I was 19 or when I was 22, I really thought and I, and I had a plan and I held on to it really strongly and I set my hopes and my heart in that thing. And, and then here I am and it didn't happen. It, it went in a different direction. And, you know, one of the things I want us to see today is it, it, it's a little bit of a challenge. Don't grade yourself too hard in this category. It's a little bit of a challenge to discern what, what is the will of God for your life? And how do you even traffic in that area? And how do you hold those things that are, that are yet to be in the future with all the limitations that we bring to that moment? And so that's why I appreciate the Apostle Paul in this moment. He's, he's going to give us some, some real realities here. And I'm just going to pull out three categories here. I think verse 7 is a little bit of a diagram of the challenge in this equation. He's going to say three things here that I just want to pull apart for us today. He says, for I... Do not want to see you now, just in passing. I hope to spend some time with you, if the Lord permits. All right, so there, there's three things in this equation here. There's more in discovering and discerning the will of God. But there's three things right here, I think, that are tightly packaged together that the Apostle Paul just casually mentions to us. But I want us to stare at them for just a moment because I think they'll help us today where we are. First thing is this. At any given moment or season of our lives, there are things we do not want. Did I need to tell anybody that or is that already pretty obvious? Are there some things right now in your life you simply do not want? Well, that's what Paul says. I do not want to see you now just in passing. Now, I may be pulling on a string here that Paul didn't intend to be a big deal, right? Maybe he's just mentioned, hey, that wouldn't be a preference. I, you know, I don't want to just scoot by. Or it could be a big deal. Right? We spent a lot of time with these Corinthians. This is a church in a lot of trouble. This is a church undergoing all kinds of shifts in values. There's division among them. They're coming apart at the seams. Paul's authority has been challenged. The things that he's taught are been called into question. There's a lot to be concerned about in that church. And so it could be that Paul has some really strong feelings when he says, I don't want to just pass through. I, I, I want something different than that. So there are things in our lives. I'm going to pull this out of Paul's life and stick it in ours now, right? There are things in our lives that we just don't want. Have you explored why that's the case inside of you? Because there are healthy reasons for that. And then there's, there's some things that we need to be aware of. There's other things operating in us, right? Why is it that I feel strongly about that? Well, I gave you a little list just to think out loud. Take this into your own soul and see where the Lord leads you. Uh, right, here's behind some of the I don't want, right? Some of that's driven by our age. And our maturity. You can you guys in the room remember the day that, that you understood girls had cooties? And only the old people even get that. I don't even know if you even know what a cootie is. Uh, but girls had cooties and, you know, no, 
oh, like that, that, that was never, you, you couldn't even imagine ever coming to the day where you could actually want to have a girl in your life, you know, oh, that changed, didn't it? For just about everybody here that, that didn't stay in that condition. Uh, some things are driven by our yet to be developed gifts and skills. Right At some point, you stare out at life and you see choices and you see pathways to walk on and you're trying to figure out which one do I choose. And, and you've got these gifts and these skills that God has put in you, but they're sitting in, in you know, they, they develop, right? They grow. They take on different dimensions. You, you kind of get good at stuff at different points. This is why I, I feel for guys who are in high school and they're getting asked those questions of, well, what do you want to do? What do you want to major in? I can quite honestly, that is such a horrible moment. I know there's no other way to do this. I mean, you get to the end of that grad that you graduate and it's like, okay, now you're going to go off into college and you're going to choose something that's going to determine who you're going to be. It's like, I just have not met very many people who reach the age of 18 and they go, I know exactly what I want to do. You know, it's just hard, right? And quite honestly, this is part of the reason why is you're, you're still developing things. And God is still developing things in your life that you haven't quite figured out how big that's going to get inside of you and how influential it's going to be and how good you're going to become at that and how much you're going to begin to have desires for those things in your life. So part of a, I don't want that is, is developmental. Sometimes that's driven by our lack of exposure to other things. Right? We, just, we just haven't gotten around something that, that God was going to use to awaken some wants in our lives that aren't, just aren't there yet. So, you know, I don't want that. Well, you, you, know, you haven't seen that in a certain way. Sometimes it's driven by our current comfort zones. Right? Does everybody be aware that you have developed comfort zones in your life? There are certain things that you like, you're, you're comfortable with, and there are certain things that just kind of fritch you out. There are certain people that do that. There are certain settings that do that to you. And, and when you get around that and your, your, your comfort gets disturbed, you know, the next thing is, I do not want that. I'm, I don't know what God wants in this moment. I can tell you right now, I don't want that. I'm not comfortable. Some, some is driven because the Lord has yet to awaken a sense of calling inside of you. I, I, you know, I can relate to this personally, but I, I've watched this happen in other people's lives. Um, I've watched this happen in, in, in mothers that, you know, there was a category for children in their life and there was other categories in their life and, and they did a number of things and all of a sudden they, they had a baby and that sense of calling to nurture and care for and lead and pour into that child made everything else take on a different perspective in their life. And, and that, like they couldn't have known the impact that was going to have until something got awakened inside of them. I can remember... Uh, just the Lord sh shifting gears and changing direction in my life. Uh, young adult serving in the church, uh, had, had opportunities to, to teach and, and lead some things in the church. And my, and my heart was knit together with adults. You know, I was in my late twenties, I think at that point. And everything I had done had been with people my age or older. And that's kind of been my life. I grew up hanging around older people all the time. And so that was, that was just kind of my wheelhouse. And, and so it's funny, Peter will remember this conversation. Peter had been leading the high school ministry in the church for years. And he just felt like the Lord was saying, mm, it's time for you not to do that anymore. Um, and he felt like he should approach me and ask me, hey, would, would you be open to leading the senior high ministry? And so we're walking. I still remember exactly where we were walking near One Shell Square uh, up, I don't know, the Barone Street, I guess. Uh, we both worked downtown and he's like, would you, uh, how would you, th what would you think about that? We've taken over the senior high ministry. And I think I paused for about a second or two and I said, mm, no, <laughs> well, I was really open to the leading of God, real open-handed there. Uh, so he comes back with that question. So, well, would you at least pray about it? <laughs> uh, and what can I say to that? No. Um, I just, I didn't have something in me that wanted to do that. I did not want to do that. I think I even explained to him, yeah, I don't know, Peter, I just don't want to be thinking about pimples and problems and teenagers. You know, I just don't want to be living in that category. But I prayed about it. And shortly after that, surely the Lord 
woke something in me in that category that meant a lot to me and it changed the way I felt about it and I had a passion for something I just didn't have before and stepping into that just the Lord reinforced that it was one of the most wonderful seasons of life was to lead young people in in, you know whatever how many years that was that I, I got to do that so sometimes we're just waiting for God to awaken something in us to adjust I don't want that dimension Sometimes, this is important, sometimes we don't want things because God has given us a heart to want something else. God has done that. And this is a little bit of a challenge, right? There's, there's a desire category that's inside of you that the Bible speaks about. And I, I know there's a wickedness in the human heart, but that's not the only thing the Bible says about the inner heart and what it desires. And so you just can't have a one-size-fits-all moment where anything that you desire has got to be wrong. It's got to be corrupt. Can't be God. If you want it, can't be God. The only thing that could possibly be God is all the things that you don't want. That's spiritual. That's God's will for your life. Uh, really, that, but the Bible doesn't sound that way, right? Psalm 37, verse 4, be like several verses in the scriptures. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Right? So when that giving shows up, it's going to feel like you're getting something that you want. Psalm 20, verse 4, may he grant you your heart's desire and fulfill all your plans. So there is something to be said for we discern God's leading because God is at work in us. He's shaping and forming desires in us that are going to actually feel like something. I really want that. And and I hope we've stayed away from the idea that, that the only thing that God could possibly be willing in my life is going to be so much what I don't want. That's how I'll know it's the will of God because it's not what I want. And it's really sacrificial and it's really hard. Well, it may still be sacrificial and hard, but it could very much sit in something inside of you that you really, really want. Now, let me just give you a quick boundary for a little bit of that, right? I'm just read this quickly and don't mean to spend too much time in it. Proverbs 3 talks about something else. There's desires in the heart, but that's not the only thing the Bible wants in your heart. Can you imagine how much of a bad situation that would be. There's nothing else informing your heart except desire. That would be a problem, right? Proverbs 3 says, my son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments for length of days and years of life and peace. They will add to you. And in verse 13, it says, blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding for the gain from her is better than gain from silver or a profit better than gold. And then down in verse 19, that chapter Proverbs says the, the, the Lord, the Lord by wisdom founded the earth by understanding. He established the heavens by his knowledge. The deeps broke open and the clouds dropped down the dew. My son, do not lose sight of these keep sound wisdom and discretion and they will be life for your soul and adornment for your neck. So, you know, God's obviously not saying, Hey, fallen humanity, depravity at work, whatever you want, right? That's not what God says. That's not what the Bible says, but there is this dimension where our hearts are filled with desires and that they're also filled with the knowledge of God and the wisdom of God and the shaping of God and the influence of God and the nearness of God. So our hearts are to contain all those things. Uh, Sometimes we don't want things because fear is ruling in our hearts. And fear is very irrational, isn't it? Have you tried to negotiate with fear? Never runs out of reasons why it's right. Uh, Speaks in extreme hyperbole, leaves out a lot of the facts, but it's very convincing. It taps into that emotion piece of us. And I can just not want something because fear has kicked enough dust up in my soul to where I, I can't see how that can ever be good, right? And really fear is at work in, in sometimes those places. Lastly, sometimes we don't want things because some other ambition is ruling in our hearts. It's ruling in our hearts. It's not movable. It, it wants to call the shots and it's made life feel like this and only this could only be what rewards you and makes your life good. And so that ambition for that or the fear of not having that begins to control the things that we're open to. So there's a lot of things. I don't want that and I don't want that, right? So Paul introduces this concept there as we are discovering what's in the plan for God for us. 
uh, be in touch that there are things in us we, we just don't want. But secondly, at any given moment or season of our lives, there are things that we hope for. True today for you? Good times, bad times, great times, whatever. Are, are, aren't there things in your life that, that you, you hope for them? Even right now, aren't there some things that you hope for? That's inside of you and you stare out at the landscape of life and, and, and you believe something about what's coming, right? The reason why you hope for things is because you, you see good in whatever it is you're hoping for. You see reward in it. You see relief in it. You see encouragement or strength in it. You see meaning in it. We don't blindly hope for anything, right? And you, I, know you, I can't give you a box, fill it with something mysterious, not tell you what it is and tell you, hey, put your hope right here. You understand? You couldn't do that. I mean, you could go ahead and say, okay, well, I'll take that, whatever it is. And I'll take your word for it that it'll be good. But, but until you really study and know the thing is good, you can't put your hope there. So there's a, there's a dimension for us as we survey life, we figure out, God, what's next for us? How are you leading us? What's in the path that you're calling us to? There are some things in our lives that, that, that we hope for because we understand something good about them. Now, let me just say this about Paul here. I'm only going to take a second in this thought, but um, Paul hopes to, right? He hopes to, I said, I hope to spend some time with you. Um, our, Paul's already led us behind the scene. And then in 2 Corinthians, we're going to go even further into Paul's relationship with the Corinthians. Everything about Paul spending time with the Corinthians is not enjoyable. It's not rewarding. It looks like that other idea that he had. There's this wide open door, but there's a lot of problems. And yet he still hoped to be with them. Right? These folks were difficult. Many of them were difficult. Many of them were challenging Paul. Many of them were creating a different version of doing church that was destructive and harmful. And then in 2 Corinthians, you've never seen a more defensive human being in the Bible than you're going to see Paul in 2 Corinthians. He's going to be defending himself left and right from people in Corinth who are attacking him. How many people would just love to spend time with people who are attacking you? But I hope to spend time with you. Paul said, right, what an amazing thing. I, I'm not there. I'm not with you, Paul. You go spend time with him. I'll go find some other people to hang out with. But when you think about your life, there's a lot of inner steering currents going on, isn't there? Right? There's wants and hopes inside of us that have been formed and fashioned by experiences and by people and by our value system and by, by things that we think are good and things that we no longer think are good. So be aware that as you and I stare out into life, we're having to sift through these things are at work in us. And you and I live in a fallen world where, where the voice and clarity of God has, has become staticky. We don't, we don't have this Garden of Eden relationship. We have a staticky world that we live in. And we fight through these noisy inner struggles to discern God's will. So listen, if, if you're feeling some of that, well, you're, you're kind of where the Apostle Paul is. He's holding his life with a sense of, you know, perhaps this may be what's next for me. But then in the same passage, there's this massive voice of certainty. From our standpoint, from what we know, there's, there's a lot of perhaps in our view. But from God's standpoint, there is no perhaps in God's vision. There's only certainty in how God, and isn't it interesting? God's staring at the same future. He's thumbing through the same planner with you. And you're going, maybe, perhaps, I hope, if God never stares at life and uses those words. With God, there's certainty in how God stares into the same planner of what you and I have coming up. So the third point is that any and every given moment or season of our lives, there is a sovereign will that is in play for our lives. Paul says, if the Lord permits. Ultimately, that's what's at work at any moment of our lives, at any moment of our lives, if the Lord permits, right? Ephesians chapter one, God sums up all that's going on in creation in verse 11, when he says, in him, we have obtained an inheritance, 
having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. There is a will in God that is not like our will. There is a, a understanding and an engagement of all that takes place in creation in God that is like nothing you and I know. God interacts with this world very differently than you and I do. But he invites us to know that. Even while he doesn't fully explain it to us. So there's an ability for us to take shelter in this point that God doesn't fully unpack. And, and here's the challenge for us. Here's the challenge for me. And I, and I fall into this trap way too often. Perhaps you do too. We almost can think, because, you know, the Bible summons us to live life a certain way. It just does. It calls on us to believe certain things. The Bible doesn't leave a lot of that open to us. It says, hey, believe whatever you want in this category. Here's a couple of suggestions. You know, that's not how the Bible sounds. And then it, it calls to, uh, us to adjust our lives, to get in step with God, to obey God, to forsake certain things and walk with him a certain way. So in all that, you've got this God plan out there that starts to feel like, okay, so all of us have got to kind of get at God's pace, be in step with God, don't sidestep, don't fumble, don't mess up, don't get a bad attitude, don't go sideways because God's got a will and it almost starts to feel like all that's got to be in sync for this to come to pass. So, you know, we got to have our A game. If I'm going to discover the will of God, I got to have my A game going on. And all of you got to have your A game going on too, you know, for Lakeview to be into the future and God, we've all got to have our A game together. Hey, nobody be screwing up. Okay, come on. Now we've linked some things together that, that don't work in God because humanity is always screwing up. Always. Falling short, well-intended, but you didn't quite make it. Off track, acting out of selfish motives. And, and if all it takes to derail the, the permitting will of God in our lives is you and I just decide to do our own thing. If that's all it takes, wow. How secure could any of us feel about anything in the future of our lives? Because... You know, we're going to mess it up. Somebody's going to mess it up who's walking with us. But that's not how God sounds, right? That's not how the Bible sounds. I just reference this point because we preached through an aspect of Jeremiah's God writing a letter to the exiles. You guys remember a while back when they're in exile, they're removed from everything that they would have known. This is the will of God for us to be in Jerusalem, for life to be centered on worship in the tavern, in the temple there. This is good. This is what God has called good. And here we are removed in Babylon. And God writes them a letter in Jeremiah chapter 29. And we know this verse, but we forget the setting of where they're reading this. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. That's written to a group of people who look like they're way outside of God's plans. That's the moment that they're reading this letter, right? And that's what makes this so meaningful for me is because it's when I'm in the moment where it feels like this, this can't be right. This can't be good. God, what, how do I understand this event right here? And it, those questions generate a sense of, okay, wait, there's, there's God's plan and then there's whatever the heck this thing is. And yet that's not how God sounds. Remember that moment where... Joseph wakes up to all that God has been doing behind the scenes. If you're not familiar with the story of Joseph in the book of Genesis, Joseph gets betrayed by his brothers out of their own inner anxieties and their own sense of jealousy and competition with Joseph. They decide to sell their younger brother into slavery and get rid of him, get him out of the scene. And all we know about the, the cause and effect on the front end of this story is that those group of brothers did whatever the heck they wanted to do. And look what happened to Joseph. And next thing you know, he's gone and he ends up in Egypt and he's in jail, et cetera, et cetera. Now we know at the end of the story, there's this amazing turnaround. And Joseph is a man of great power and influence in the whole world. 
And the explanation for this event comes where he sees God was behind it all. Now, have you actually thought through what that means? It it means that the dudes who were his brothers, they weren't having an A-game moment, right? They weren't sitting around thinking, oh, hey, brothers, let's let's all pray together. Let's get in step with God. We're going to walk with God in this moment. What should we do with Joseph? Well, perhaps we should confess our sin to him and ask him for forgiveness. Uh, That's not how the meeting went. This was a different prayer meeting. (laughs) I'm not sure they were praying, actually. There was some conversation going on, some plans being made. And next thing you know, the dude's in a pit, and he's sold to some guys traveling through. And yet, the Bible fills the stories of God's plan with that kind of information. Right? The biggest event in history takes place at the cross in Jerusalem. And when God goes behind the scenes, he says, There were gathered together against your anointed Herod, Pontius Pilate, the Gentiles, and the people of Israel. Okay, they, they were gathered together, the Bible says. How many of you guys think that's a prayer meeting? Anybody? They were, they were fasting together because they wanted to be in step with God, right? They wanted to pr- see God's will come to pass. So we're going to crucify the Messiah. That's not how that went down, was it? These guys acted for reasons that were within themselves that looked like that was a sideways motive. That can't be what God wanted them to do. Yet that verse goes on and says to do exactly what your hand had ordained for them to do. And that's how God's plan unfolds, right? John Piper in his most recent book, Providence, says, We may fittingly speak of the sin of Adam and Eve with the words that Joseph spoke of the sin of his brothers who sold him into slavery. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. It does not say God used it for good. It says God meant it for good. The same word used for the sinful intention of the brothers, they meant it for evil. Thus, we may say, as for you, Adam and Eve, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Right? All the way back to the garden, when the first sideways human will steps into the arena. Your purpose in sinning was the vain pursuit of pleasure through self-exalting autonomy. God's purpose in permitting your sin was to give his people the pleasure of seeing and savoring the glory of his grace and the inexpressible suffering and triumphs of his son. And all that took place, not because everybody had their A game and followed God exactly right. Now listen, does that mean, oh, okay, well, it doesn't matter how you live. You know, that's a different point. That's... That's not to be polluting the will and the purpose of God by our performance and how well we're pulling off the things that God's called us to. The Bible teaches that. Just be careful how you take and cross-pollinate the doctrines of God because you can read that in the Bible. Next thing you know, you're, you're acting as though God can only do what you empower him to do. And it's like you, you recognize that's not how the Bible describes God. God can take the worst of you and me. And do the most glorious thing with it. And that's helpful for me. It helps me to know that my world doesn't have to be perfect for God to be perfect. And for his will to come perfectly to pass. A couple of notes there qualifying this. There There is some mystery in the human plus God equation of life. There's just going to be some mystery here, right? You picked this up in Proverbs 16. The, the heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. All right, so that means neither one of those gets to be set aside. All right, we're, we're called to make plans in our lives. And so even because I'm letting you in on a secret behind the scenes, God is working every moment, every molecule. God is at work. Oh, all right, well, I could take the day off. Really? And you, you got that from the Bible? Yeah, yeah. I, I took the idea that God's always at work and I just kind of went on vacation. 
oh, I am at work and my father is at work, Jesus said. Right? There, is a, there is a mysterious connection between you and I are just called to live our lives. You know, we don't operate in, in that part of the company. That's above our pay grade. God runs the behind the scenes. We walk in the day to day. And so we're to be making plans. Proverbs 19, verse 21. Many are the plans in the mind of man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. Right, and that's, that's both an adjustment and a challenge. Because when you read the word perhaps in the Bible, and then you find out many are the plans of man, do you recognize where that's going to land? You and I could have a lot of plans that perhaps weren't in the purpose of God. But they were in us. And they were plans, and we loved them, and we wanted to see them come to pass. I don't know if I wrote in your outline. It's a little bit of a warning, perhaps. When our plans become too absolute to us, we will become vulnerable to disillusionment and discouragement. When our plans... Now, remember, we're not released from making plans. That's the risky thing, isn't it? We're called to make plans. But the second you make plans... There's still that perhaps word traveling with those plans. And you're going to need to leave room for the purpose of God. That which the Lord permits to be the ultimate thing in the equation. One last thought. There is an appropriate perhaps in our plans. All right, James chapter 4, verse 13. It says, come now. You who say... Today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such a town and spend a year and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. Right? For some reason, that just really is a different thing to engage in the year 2021, is it not? <laughs> How many of us saw some of the stuff coming in the last year? What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. There are things in our lives. I just identify with Paul's little grouping of thoughts here. There are things in our lives that we don't want for all kinds of reasons, good ones and bad ones. We just don't want some things in our lives. There are things in our lives that we hope for. We can't escape either one of those things. Those are supposed to operate inside of our hearts. They're part of God's wiring and part of God's purpose. But the thing that is certain in our, that there are aspects to God's plan right, his permitted will, as Paul described it, that are different than what we had wanted or hoped for. That God's plan to bring glory to his name, that's what he's always doing. And to bring good into our lives, that's what he's always doing as well. Through his loving kindness, right? Don't, don't, don't detach from that. Surely your loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life. That doesn't, that doesn't get lost when life seems to go sideways. His loving kindness may have a different path to travel on than the one we had understood. That was the easy part. Um, some of you guys would be aware that we were planning to make an announcement today, and I'm going to attempt to do that. And I really do believe what I just preached, by the way. Uh, it is with a heavy heart, but a hope that remains in God's sovereign purposes that I'm announcing that Evan will be resigning as a pastor at Lakeview and moving into a different field of work. Uh, this is a decision that Evan and Rebecca have been considering and discussing for many months. The elders join in supporting their decision as it is a decision that upholds the primacy of their marriage 
and they're being united in the purpose that God has for their family. Evan recently put his thoughts down into a letter of resignation that he submitted to the elders and that brings some, some clarity to the explanation. I, brother, you just have his words in that. So he gave me permission to read his letter to us, to you. He says, Dear Elders, uh, please receive this letter as my resignation from the Elder Board at Lakeview Christian Center. I'm exceedingly grateful for the deposit of the gospel I have received while growing up in this church body. I'm thankful for the love of God's word that was transferred to me the vision for God-centered ministry, the centering of a relational care for people in their struggles. I'm thankful for a church that has helped me to steward my gifts for ministry and has received from my leadership. I'm thankful for my time of learning from you men and the example you have set for me. After 10 years of navigating the joys and challenges of marriage and ministry, Rebecca and I believe that a season away from vocational ministry would best serve our family. We recognize that God orders the times and seasons of our lives, seasons that include both faith for building and times for rest and growth. Ecclesiastes 3. We believe that this next season requires a transition away from my role on the LCC staff and eldership. Um, Since the the Book of Church Order, which is a sovereign grace uh, governing document, states that an elder should serve, quote, as long as it is in the best interest of the church and his family. Please consider this to be a voluntary resignation of an elder for personal reasons, according to the BCO. I'm grateful that God has provided another opportunity to meet my family's needs and impact his kingdom through story partners, an employer branding and recruiting agency founded by a group of believers, I find the missional vision for this company to be compelling, and the Lord has fostered in me a desire to partner with this team. I'm glad to be walking into these next steps with a sense of his leading and care. Friends, this is not everything I would hope to communicate to you men or the body at at Lakeview. But hopefully this suffices for the purpose of this resignation with gratitude, sorrow, and joy. Um, You know, for us today, this is a... This is an introduction to this decision and, and not the final word, which you'll hear from us. But we would want to communicate that we are beyond grateful for the impact and influence that Evan's ministry has had on our lives. I'm not going to look at you guys. That's a mistake. We are indebted and appreciative of the many ways that we have been served over the years by Rebecca and the blessing that Piper, Knox, and Leo have been to us. We are grateful to have been able to share so many years of life and friendship with Evan and Rebecca, and we pray God's favor to be abundantly on their lives. This is not raising any questions about Evan's ministry or conduct or character, nor are we expressing any concern about Evan's teaching of the word of God. Deposits and insights and enrichment we have received through these years have been a faithful upholding of biblical truth for which we are grateful and healthier followers of Jesus. Evan's resignation as an elder has already gone into effect, and we will be weaning him from his activities and responsibilities as a member of the staff and his leading of the youth and children's ministries over the next several weeks. And you are more than welcome to make them feel the love and affection that we hold for them in the weeks ahead and to have faith for the new direction they are feeling led to pursue. We will update you in the coming weeks on related details as well as giving you the opportunity to hear Evan's heart, uh, Evan's heart in his transition. We are available, as is Evan. Should you have any questions, we anticipate scheduling a members meeting in the near future to give you the opportunity to interact with the elders with regards to the needs of the church and things we are considering at this time. All right. Can I just close us in prayer? And, uh, and we will be dismissed. Lord, there are are things as we've been doing life that we have hoped for that feel as though they have slipped into the category of perhaps, but perhaps not. There are things in our lives that we 
did not want that have become part of our story. But Lord, the shelter in what we see in your word today is if the Lord permits. If the Lord permits. So Lord, amidst our questions and our perhaps and our limitations and our tentativeness and plans that we did our best to make that have become different than what we thought they might be, we stand, Lord, on solid ground of what the Lord has permitted. And so God, thank you for the unique comfort that your sovereign will brings to our lives. Lord, you've shared the behind the scenes, not because we could figure it out, not because we would always be able to tell where the trajectory of what you're doing is going to land and how it's going to be good in the end. Lord, Lord, that's not what you've let us in on. You've just let us in to know behind the scenes, nothing's out of control with you. Lord, you reign over our lives every moment. Even when the moments become moments that we didn't plan or we didn't understand or even that we didn't want. You are in that moment letting us know you never stop being God. You never stop having plans for us. You never stop directing those plans. You never stop arranging everything that needs to happen. Lord, and you're not dependent upon our A game. Lord, thank you for that. Lord, give grace to us to receive a new path to walk. One that's new to us, Lord, but one that is not new to you, for it was in your plans that you have permitted. Because of that, Lord, we look to you in hope. Lord, we don't know the circumstances to hope for, but we know that our hope ultimately is in you. And Lord, though this is not the last moment, Lord, we know this is a massive transition for Evan and Rebecca. And Lord, things that have been familiar are shifting and changing. There's a lot of perhaps that are being discovered and there's a lot of tentativeness and there's a lot of changes. Lord, would you flood this moment for them with what the Lord has permitted, what you will be faithful to do in the days ahead. Lord, you go before us, you surround us, and you work behind the scenes. In that, Lord, in that, we place our hope. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 You guys are dismissed.